Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalising our natural resources, minimising waste and maximising human potential. I trust you discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipparos.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. Hello, Wastebusters. Welcome to October's edition of the Waste Not Want Not podcast and the final quarter of the year. It's a time when we begin to reflect on the year and assess where we're at, what's worked and what's not, to clear the decks and make room for the new. There's no better time than now to distance ourselves from the collective chaos and barrage of fear-based narratives and find a space that both literally and metaphorically helps us tune in to the astronomical information projected from the planet's. And I just so happen to have the most enchanting guest today who has a plethora of wisdom to help us consciously choose our own road to reality. Raphael Ray is a fun, down-to-earth, intuitive tarot reader, astrologer, numerologist and energy healer who uses these modalities to interpret how the energy from the planets in our solar system can impact us as individuals and as a collective. Raph describes himself as a cosmic weatherman who can forecast how the external conditions may affect our internal energetic state of being. So we have a map of the terrain we're likely to experience to help us explore and expand our perspective. Then by tuning into our internal GPS, what I call the greater personal self, our soul signature frequency, we can consciously choose the direction we want to take, knowing we're aligned with our true north. Divine timing is everything, and the irony of the cosmos conspiring to stop me from publishing this episode until I'd seen the feature documentary River of Freedom really struck a chord with me, because it captured the core message of Raths and my conversation about personal sovereignty. The film is a historical insight into the New Zealand convoy and parliament protest in February and March 2022 that shows who the people were, why they were there and what happened. I was moved to tears. In fact, I was choked up. There were so many elements of the film that resonated with me and the elements that arose in the interview I'd recorded a few days previously. Like the innate nature and goodness of the human spirit, How freedom, compassion and unity is effortless when there's a collective reverence for nature and the knowing that we're an integral part of the entire cosmos. I invite you now to join Raph and I on a boundless journey to expand your mind. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome back the delicious cosmic weatherman, Raph, aka Radiant Reality. Welcome back, Raph. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the invite. We finally got there. I've been uh, somewhat hard to pin down, I know, but I'm really, really chuffed to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, I can't believe it was 18 months ago, so you were one of my first guests. And here we are nearly at the end of 2023. 
what I thought we'd do this time, because our first interview was at how you got into all this, but really I'm intrigued because there's so much change happening at the moment and people are beginning to be conscious and there's a lot of evolution going on. And so if we were mm-hmm. to focus on conscious evolution and what it actually means and how the tools that you have in so far as the tarot and astrology and the numerology, how they actually help you and what's the last 18 months been like for you? Oh, gosh, so much there. So, so much. So, uh, yes, I totally agree. We are absolutely going through. I remember hearing the term paradigm shift when I was like 14 and I had someone explain it to me at the time. And I thought, yeah, okay, I can kind of see that. But, you know, with the way that things were at that time, that people and things were still quite closed off. I think what's happening now is we really are in the midst of what we would call a paradigm shift, especially, you know, we've had the pandemic, we've seen what that's brought. I think a big part of the pandemic and what it really did for us, aside from, you know, letting everybody know that they couldn't stand the person they were married to. (laughs) (laughs) I jest, you know, like the poor taste joke, but you, you kind of get my meaning. I think that made everybody really sit still and take a good look at themselves, their lives and where they were at. Post that, uh, because of everything that's come out after, you know, in the aftermath and the way that things have evolved from there, I think a lot more people are asking a lot bigger questions, not just of themselves, but of their leaders, of their communities, uh, the questions that are coming up for what we would call everyday mundane people are bigger questions than just the everyday, I've got to pay bills, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You know, a lot more people are starting to think community-wise, they're starting to think globally, they're starting to ask those questions of, well, why now? Why are all these things converging at the moment? And anybody that has like a spiritual sort of slant or take on life, we've all been talking about this idea that timelines are collapsing. People are noticing that, you know, things that they thought were going to take them years are suddenly taking weeks and months. Things that they thought were going to take them days are suddenly taking months and, and, you know, potentially years at this point. So there is a lot of shift happening through the, the phenomena that we understand to be time, for sure. And we really are in the midst of uh, a spiritual renaissance, I think. The advent of that, you can see, was obviously with astrology starting to become a lot more popular again. Right. It went through an advent in the 70s and then it kind of picked back up and then it went dormant again. And now it's kind of having like a real heyday once more. You can trace that back right right, right the way through to the Victorian times and prior. Uh, so it's really interesting that it kind of comes around at certain points when things get intense for the world. Now, in terms of conscious evolution, as I say, because more people at that grassroots ground level are asking big questions of themselves. What do I want from my life? What am I actually here for? What is my purpose beyond paying bills, doing the school run, all of that kind of stuff, right? And there's nothing wrong with those things. They're a part of the human experience that we all signed up for. But in terms of this conscious evolution, 
uh, I don't know if you've ever read the Celestine Prophecy. I think we talked about it last time vaguely. Yeah. Right? And this idea of critical mass, when enough people start asking the same kinds of questions and start leaning towards the same understandings and ideas, that's when those consciousness shifts start to happen. And I think we can see that now. You know, you've got so many people, people that two plus years ago were like, I don't buy in to all of that woo-woo stuff and now suddenly they're showing up to all the webinars all the seminars saying look I've had this thing called a spiritual awakening and I'll be honest with you I don't know what the fuck's going on excuse my language right and you know these are people that are by society standards considered not more valid but they hold jobs and you know spaces and arenas that are considered more real world so when you've got accountants and bank managers and uh you know ceos and bosses and all the rest of it asking these questions like i'm going through something that's very real that can't be quantified by all of the usual sort of things that we use as markers i need help and i'm starting to seek that help in the spiritual community That means that we are, A, having a consciousness evolution, for sure. B, people as a whole are waking up. And C, we're having what I would like to call an evolutionary jump. You know, in the X-Men films, uh, Professor X talks about this idea that every so often evolution leaps forward. It, you know, crawls really, really slowly. And then every so often you get that massive jump. Right. And I think what we're seeing at the moment, certainly in terms of spirit, spirituality, spiritual consciousness, spiritual psychology, we're starting to see a very big jump forward. And that's because we're reaching the critical mass. Enough people are asking those big questions of themselves. And, you know, the beauty of this is, especially as a a tower reader, an astrologer, a numerologist and an energy worker who's got all these mad woo woo skills. Right. But likes to keep his feet on the ground. I'm interacting with people that are going to become world leaders that are going to be heads of companies that are going to be heads of very big departments. If they've done that inner work to understand themselves, to know what they want, why they're here, what their deepest drives and motivations actually are, we start to see conscious business people. And when we see that in the world, I think we're going to see a very different world altogether. And it's amazing to be in my position because I'm not in it, right? I'm just on the outside holding up that cosmic weather sign to say to these people that are both younger and some of them older than me, this is where you're going. This is how you get there. And these are the things that nobody, no reader is ever going to be able to answer for you. This is the stuff you have to answer for yourself. And in that, I've got like a front row seat to history taking place, which is really, really exciting. Um, I put out a talk, I think it was like three or four years ago at this point, uh, and it was called How the Modern Mystic is Shaping the World. Um, And that's really what I think is happening for people in my sort of position. We're helping people understand themselves more, understands the patterns, the rhythms, the cycles that they're finding themselves in. And that in turn is birthing a whole wave of souls that are going to be conscious leaders, conscious business people, because they've already done the work. 
So it's not going to be like this idea of, you know, the cutthroat business and, you know, screw them to get to the top if you have to and undercut this person, undersell that person. What we're going to see is a wave of people that are like, how can we bring this together? Now, sorry, <laughs> I know that I was a hell of a lot just to kind of jump in. Go for it. Um, which leads me to a really nice uh, segue which was you mentioned the last 18 months. So we've just had the eclipse cycle. In terms of astrology, every 18 months-ish, we have uh, a different set of eclipses. We're just about this month, on the 28th of October, we will have the final full moon lunar eclipse in the sign of Taurus. So what we've had for the last 18 months is eclipses bouncing back and forth through uh, Scorpio and the sign of Taurus. So Taurus is the environment, it's food, it's money, it's resources, it's banking, it's all those kinds of things that we need, that we value, that sustain life on that material plane. And Taurus is more about sort of personal money, personal wealth, whereas Scorpio is very much about big money, corporate money, banking money, other people's money. Uh, it's also about secrets. It's all also about things that have been hidden in the dark, right? Well, look at the last 18 months. Forget the pandemic. Look at the aftermath that's come out of it. The last 18 months, the secrets that have come to light about how we were lied to, about who made a lot of money through the pandemic because of it and all the rest of it. Uh, look at what we've learned about what really happens to our food, what the cost of our living situation actually is and how it's exploded at the moment. That coincides a lot with Jupiter and Taurus. Jupiter is a a magnifying energy it inflates things we're living in a massive bubble of inflation at this moment in time that will subside next year actually once jupiter moves into gemini um but at that point it won't so much be about money finances resources or food being inflated or the things that we need to survive it'll be about intellectual property the price of intellectual property copywriting trademarking all of that kind of stuff is going to skyrocket from i would say around may next year because that's when okay. jupiter comes into gemini and that's important because gemini is an air sign but it's also about communication conversation it's also about uh, the facts and figures the things that are written down books you know all of that kind of stuff information what it's worth what it isn't worth we're going to see that kind of thing really ramp up so uh, keep an eye on that. And remember, you heard it here first. <laughs> so how does uh, that actually that? impact us, the communication side of things and the trademarking? How will that impact people? So on a, a ground level, because Gemini is very much linked to education as well. Oh. So the price of courses and things may go up. Uh, the price of owning your intellectual property or potentially disputes will come up around intellectual property. So you, you might see some really big names go to slog it out over certain ideas, patents, you know, all of that kind of stuff may come into the fore. There's two ways it could go. The price of education could really go up 
And so quality education that really does what it says on the tin might get more expensive. That's possible. It may also be that suddenly we get this massive, and I'm expecting this for next year, this huge boom. Like the online learning space is massive anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think next year, once Jupiter comes into Gemini, we're going to see like a boom. And even if it's only for a year, that's definitely, Definitely, you know, if you've got an online business, find a way to capitalize on that. Absolutely. This is the thing is it's not solely for that purpose. But listen, when the tide is going out, honey, get your boat out, right? Get your (laughs) surfboard out. And if you're in online business, if you've got courses and stuff to sell, wait for Jupiter to come into Gemini and get that stuff out there. That's your chance to to make a pretty little penny, right? And this is the thing. When you think about astrology, it used to only be for kings and queens and the elites and the heads of states, right? In the ancient days, astrology was only for the royal class, which is one of the reasons I think they've done a very good job of belittling and saying to people, oh, you don't need to believe in all of that. When they will tell you the higher up the chain you go for big money, there's a, a quote, and I can't remember who, who it was that said this quote, but they said, millionaires don't use astrologers, billionaires do. Whoa. Guarantee you, big money, people that have big money or on big stakes of money, those people use astrologers. I guarantee it. When Jupiter goes retrograde, the amount of thing, and I've tracked this myself, I'll tell you why. In my youth... I took, and this was knowing this information as well, like an idiot, you know, I think just tempting fate, but knowing this information. So basically the rule of thumb is when Jupiter goes retrograde, you never take out a loan because you're likely to end up having some issue paying it back or the likelihood is that you'll end up paying it back over a longer amount of time. Knowing this, I left it right to the last minute and I was like, I've got a feeling that one's going to bite me. (laughs) Right. And it did. It absolutely did. Since then, I have tracked this as a phenomena. And whenever Jupiter goes retrograde, the amount of things that you see on TV about taking loans, getting a credit card, remortgaging or whatever, they're using that because they know that whoever takes stuff under that transit is likely to end up not defaulting or not paying it back in the time, Ooh. which means they make more money from it. Now, you know, lots of people could say, OK, he's going off the deep end. It's a conspiracy theory. No, it takes me to the point where you were talking about patterns and rhythms. And it's really quite funny because I think it was about a month ago I did this talk on patterns pitch and pace because there was a new moon happening and all yes. skills that you have and if you say the astrology there are patterns to what happens the energy that the different planets create and the pitch is really to me it's because everything is energy and it's the frequency so we're actually in this evolution we're raising the frequency of everything and lifting it up and you can see when yes. how the planets affect that. And also, I've noticed for myself, going to the rhythm side of thing, it alters the pace that things happen. As you said earlier on, mm-hmm. some things are speeding up and some are slowing down. I'm noticing for myself that I'm starting to acquire a trait that I've always longed for, which is patience. <laughs> 
actually waiting and feeling it in my gut, knowing that it feels right and that's the time to do it. I can't point it at anything. It's an energetic thing for me. And then when Mm -hmm. you see things and you read things and you think, oh, like you, you know, you've tracked it. When you look back in hindsight, you can see, oh, that worked, that didn't, that didn't. And the reason. So I think patterns, pitch and pace is a huge thing that's affecting this evolution. And people are, like you were saying, the bankers, all these kind of traditional professions, the pandemic has stopped people in their tracks to question and recognize that they have a choice and for me the big thing at the moment is empowering people to reclaim their sovereignty it's to recognize not get caught in it to take a step back and make a choice of what it is that you want and with the astrology you can say these patterns the energy is happening but it's down to the individuals to how they use it like with the incident with you knowing that that it wasn't a good time to take a loan and it bit you in the ass. How many of us know yeah. this? And it's not till you get the four by two around the chops that you realize, oh yeah, maybe <laughs> after the sixth time I ought to, you know, I've learned that lesson now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You raised some really fantastic points and that's so true. Um, I think accountability and personal sovereignty go hand in hand. And with that as well, personal responsibility go in hand with it as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, being able to kind of put your hand up and say, okay, what hand did I have in making this, you know, boo-boo that's shown up in my life? Yeah. Um, sometimes it can't be helped, right? Sometimes we've got to do what we have to do. Now, to go back to this, you talked about the last 18 months. Uh, so this eclipse cycle of Taurus and Scorpio and where that was, That's coming to an end now, and the eclipses are moving into Aries and Libra. So Aries is the sign of the self. Libra is the sign of relationship. So Aries is me. Libra is we. And with that shift, now, yeah, now that we're no longer, you know, going to have so many challenges to the money and the finances, we start to then look at our relationships. What is feeding us internally, you know, in terms of our connections? How do we really show up in the world? Where do we need to change and adapt some of our own approaches? And where do the relationships that we have or are tied to really start to um, either support and enhance our lives or hinder us and hold us back in some way, shape or form? So it's a really interesting paradigm that's happening. And that's the last 18 months. Now, when we're talking about eclipses, we are talking about patterns and cycles. So eclipses run in 19 year cycles and they run in epicycles uh, of nine years at the same time. So what's really interesting about that is in Kabbalistic terms, the number nine and numerologically speaking, uh, well, nine technically is ruled by Mars, but it is a very moon number, the number nine. So 18, one and eight gives you nine. That's the moon number. 18 is the moon card in tarot. The nine year mini cycle, the number nine again, that's the moon. Uh, And then the 19 year cycle, which is actually the sun and the moon. So one is the sun, nine being the moon. 
And it's really crazy that the eclipse whole thing is based around the sun and the moon. Wow. So all of those things just kind of really feed into each other, right? They're all one whole system. It's incredible and mind blowing how intricate and how vast this knowledge really is encapsulate him. And I love what you talked about there in terms of like patterns, pitch and pace. The patterns is the cycles, right? And spotting, okay, well, this keeps happening around this same time. And this is one of the things that I say to people with tarot. A lot of the times we do predict. A lot of the times we are laying out prophecy for sure. But a lot of the time we're also reading someone's pattern. They're at this place. The last time this happened, they did this. The chances are we're human beings, we're cyclic, we like to stick with what we know, you're probably going to find yourself in this same space again. And if you know what the cards are that follow the cards that have come up, you can kind of predict where in the cycle someone's going to go from there. In terms of the pitch and that idea of frequency, so, so important and so true, because whenever when you understand that everything is energy and it is all a frequency you can start to see whether your frequency is out of, you know, like if you're the person in the choir that's singing the wrong note. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's us and they're about, sometimes the whole choir is actually singing the wrong song for us. And so we need to say, okay, you know what? Not my song, not my choir. I need to to go elsewhere or change the environment, et cetera. And then in terms of the pace, yeah, time is wonky at the moment. And it has been for probably about 18 months, I think. So it would be interesting to see how that shifts. Now, choice. Oh, choice, choice, choice is such a powerful word. I have clients, whether it's for tarot, numerology, astrology, energy work, and they will, I will all ask the question, so is this it then? And it's like, no, what we've seen, my darling, you know, you want to get into quantum physics and quantum mechanics and stuff and universal and spiritual and scientific mechanics. What we've seen for you is one potential future if you continue down this path. I think one of the challenges is a lot of people think once they've had their reading, and this is one of the reasons Hollywood and all the rest of it has got a lot to, to blame, because uh, we buy into that, right? When we see it and there's impactful music and these awful events and unfold after somebody's had a reading, that sticks in your mind, you know, whether you think it does or doesn't. And I think a lot of people don't get their readings and stuff out of fear. And I think a lot of people get them out of fear at the same time. Mm. And so what I try to do is to really reframe to people It's not set in stone. This is one potential future that you have. Your choice always comes into it. You can choose to take what I've given you and absolutely run with it. Or you can take it with a pinch of salt and say, meh, you know what? I'm not going to act on that. Just as a quick sidebar, I've got one client. She is an online business coach and she's brilliant. Whenever we have sessions together, I say to her, right, this is what you've got. This is what you've got. This is what you can work with. This is what you probably want to avoid. Da, 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 da. I lay it all out for her. And then she goes and she absolutely actions the shit out of it. And I can see this in all of the content that she puts out on social media. Like she works it and her results are phenomenal. I don't think that's necessarily just because of the information I'm giving her. I think it's just as much to do with the amount of effort she puts in at the right time. 
that's what astrology can do for us and numerology fine tunes it but coming back to this idea of choice it's not set in stone the universe loves it when we make a choice and we move in that direction and when we do I genuinely believe that when you make a firm choice and say to the universe this is what I want and I'm willing to put in whatever hard work I have to to make this happen on the back end they're like right this person's moving with intent they've got their shit together let's rearrange stuff guys because it's all just substance right it's all universal substance and if the universe is in control I'm pretty sure it can orchestrate everything that it needs to make sure that we reach that goal <laughs> right like it absolutely can the challenge I think a lot of people have is they don't really know what they want and they try to chase everything that they want all at the same time that yeah, shows up a lot the importance of knowing yourself and your own patterns and what's helps them and hinders you because I, I'm a like a little magpie and you see stuff out there and there's a lot of conditioning that happens throughout life and then people say well you need to do this you need to do that you need to do that but actually it's about stepping back and recognizing the best way that you work and as an individual who you are looking at the tools that you've got that are saying these are the patterns and the things this is the energy that is likely to affect you and here's some potential that might will arise from it and the other thing that you just mentioned was intent that's bantered around mm. an awful lot can you expand on what you mean as intent because it changes the energy uh, and the frequency of stuff and it moves it up and I mean it's changing all the time but I believe that the intent gets the ball rolling in a specific direction because you've channeled it that way as opposed to everything. Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and I think it's a really important point that you raise because nowadays everyone's like, oh, I've got to do my new moon intentions. And it's, it's great that so many people are talking about this. But what does that actually mean to you? Is yeah. it just like, yeah, this is my, my wish list. Cheers, universe. Yeah. Please yeah. do the Santa thing and just drop this out. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, and the way that I typify this to my clients and the people in my YouTube community is, I'll say to them, your intention is you imprinting the universal energy with your desire, right? And so what you're doing effectively, I see the universe and whatever lies beyond it as a cosmic womb. And your intention is impregnating that. So when you do this at the time of a new moon, which is where the sun and the moon come together, which is why there's no light, that is a conception point. You've got masculine energy in the sun. You've got uh, feminine energy in the moon. What happens when mum and dad come together? Mm. Out pops baby. Woohoo! Right? That's your new moon. So when you are focused and you're putting your intention, your thought, your desire, your energy, your focus, you know, we've all heard the saying where attention goes, energy flows. What you're doing with an intention is effectively creating a concentrated point of thought and desire where your thought and your desire come together for a very specific goal. When you do this at a new moon, let's say the new moon in Cancer, 
that's a great time to do things around your home, your family, uh, children, uh, maybe even your physical body, right? Because it's Cancerian energy, uh, or even around feminine or women's things. If you were to do this in, say, uh, you know, new moon in Aries, that would be a great time for intentions for setting into motion something brand new, something that you've never done before, something that requires guts or courage, something that is very physical. You know, you need your physical body to do or to enact. The house that that takes place in in a personal birth chart will flavor that even more. But as a general rule, if you work with the tide of energy that's available to you, the new moon, a time to set your intention. When you sow that seed, at some point you're going to get a harvest, right? Especially if you really tend to that. Now, there is a debate amongst astrologers. A lot of astrologers will say uh, you get the new moon and then two weeks later when you get the full moon, you get the results of it. I personally haven't noticed that. What I've noticed as a personal experience is when I plant a certain seed at the Aries new moon, when the Aries full moon happens six months later, that's where that thing comes to, to bear its fruit. Okay. That's worked for me time and time again. We've got a new moon coming up. Oh, it's on the 15th um, of October here in New Zealand. So yep. it's your night on the 14th. What energy is around that one? Okay, so not all new moons are equal. <laughs> <laughs> remember that eclipse cycle i was talking about that new moon that's coming up on the 14th here in the uk 15th for you guys is actually a new moon solar eclipse now general rule of thumb all astrologers do seem to agree on this uh we don't manifest and we don't input intentions on an eclipse it's a wild card energy you just Ooh. don't know what you're gonna get in ancient astrology, eclipses were known as what we call malefic events. And the reason being, an eclipse is where you lose the light, right? It blacks out. So it, what that means is it's an affliction or some kind of even temporary, uh, some kind of affliction that happens to a luminary. And there are only two luminaries in our sky. We've got the sun, we've got the moon. And so when you have an eclipse, it's like a not a death blow, but like a, you know, it's a, a damage point to the energy that's happening. So if you're trying to put some intention into that, you're probably not going to get what you expect to. So oh. <laughs> we often say new moon eclipse, full moon eclipse is not a time for manifesting. It's a time to really just observe what happens. And whenever you're talking about a lunar transit in general, my personal rule of thumb is you look at the day before, the day of, and the day after. That three-day window around a new moon, a full moon, a new moon solar eclipse, or a full moon lunar eclipse, that's where you get to see what is being set into motion by that specific event. We've actually got Friday the 13th the day beforehand, so... <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know what? I hadn't even clocked that. And it's a really interesting thought. So, you know, I say this at a hazard. If you're listening to this just before the eclipse, 
please, please, please do your research on where the idea of Friday the 13th came from. It okay. might help take some of the stress and stuff out of it. So the rule of thumb is uh, the church took out the Knights Templar on a Friday and it happened to be the 13th. And then since then, it's been called a bad luck day, etc. But oh. some people get really, really frightened and scared and stuff. Do your research around that so that you can assuage some of your fears. But the interesting thing about that is the 13th card in the tarot deck is the death card. So an ending, a completion, a culmination, a transformation of some sort. The death card very rarely in tarot actually means death. Yeah. It usually means a big change, a big transformation. So that's really interesting to me for a few reasons. And also when you think of this three day window that I talk about, uh, the day before, the day of the transit where it comes exact, and then the day after where it's waning or separating, as we say, maiden, mother, and crone. The moon is known as the ancient celestial goddess. She was the mother to the sun's father. Can you explain crone? Because people yes, think that so, they're ugly um, old bags. Yeah, again, you know, Hollywood and the media have got so much to answer for. So um, in the old term of crone, Hecate is a goddess that's associated to the crone. The way that I see this is, and I said this to a friend once when I was like 15, I remember one day I said to him, do you know who the real soldiers of the world are? And he was like, I don't know who. And I said, Nans. And he was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, Ralph? I was like, no, it's true. Because they've seen it, you know, they've been through it, they've done stuff, they've had kids, they've been through all kinds of ups and downs, and at that point they're wise. The crone is known as the older woman, grandmother energy if you like, she's old, she's wise, she's in the winter of her life, but she knows things because she's seen life, because she understands it, and she understands my time is shorter, it's coming to a close, and yes, I reflect on my days of being the maiden and the youth and all the rest of it. But the secrets that I know, the wisdom that I hold can only be held by me. So this idea of a crone, like lots of people say, like, oh, it's, you know, she's an old bag or yeah. a cantankerous old haggard witch. Um, no, she's so much more than that. She is the deepest understanding of the colour black, which is able to absorb all light. And so therefore knows the secret of all colours. It's wow. so much deeper than, than what we've been sold. Well, a couple of years ago, I turned 60 and I really owned my crone years. And I decided that I was going to really reflect on the first, supposedly, two thirds of my life and use that information and it's ironic that that was the impetus to my starting the podcast was because I had the yeah. wisdom, I had the connections and it was really putting all my skills together and talking to people and making a difference and helping other people see the value of doing your thing. And I've done, I think you're going to be the 59th episode in that time. Wow. And there's such a variety of people and there's nuggets of information and hope that the listeners can pick up and recognise, well, go with what really sparks you. We were talking of death. I spoke to a death doula 
at the end of last year, which was fascinating. And people don't talk of death. It's part of life. What an amazing conversation it was. It's actually that valuing of life, isn't it? And recognising that we are here to evolve. And all the fuck ups and faux pas, and you know, I've had many, and that's the reason I'm a crone now because I can pull on that wisdom. <laughs> but it's yeah, lessons. Yeah. And there was a time where I saw them as failure and you, the stigma that goes with it, and it's shifting that paradigm that you were talking about at the beginning, changing the way that we look at things and stepping back and observing, as you were saying, how important that mm. is, and. The awareness, that's another big thing. To me, that's what consciousness is about, is increased awareness. What is your interpretation of consciousness? Yes, I love that. So a few interesting points. So when you hit 51, around 50, 51, you go through what's known as a Chiron return. So I would wager that probably around 10-ish years ago, you came into this understanding of, I've got a lot of stuff I want to teach people. I'm just not sure how or where or why. And then when you hit between 60 and 62, you go through what's known as the Saturn return, but it's the second Saturn return. So the first one is pretty brutal for a lot of people because, you know, that's where reality really starts to hit you. And you start to understand a lot of things about yourself, about the world, about life. You get this massive reality check. The second one tends to be a lot easier on people. Uh, one, because you're older and wiser. Two, because you start to really say, actually, none of these were mistakes. They're just learning curves in the whole journey of who I'm becoming. Um, and that is always really, really fantastic. I've had a few clients who are going for a Saturn return, like the second Saturn return. And I'm always like, man, you should be sitting here giving me this reading. Like, <laughs> you know, like you've got way more knowledge than I have. And, uh, you know, in terms of life and stuff, absolutely. And so those are two really fundamental points. When you hit that 50-51 point, that's where you start to understand that you've got a lot to teach. And that's what I advise everybody who goes through their Chiron return. Decide what you're here to teach people. What does your unique life experience look like as a manual for somebody else? I guarantee you there will be people out there that will take so much from it. And for those of you that are reaching 60 and having that moment, much like you did, Philippa, where you're like, right, OK, got a few uh, knocks and scrapes and I'm going to turn those into gold. And that's what it really is about. This is the time for you to really accelerate. Uh, I think, on living life on your own terms, because the 30 plus years that you have left, providing you look after yourself really, really well, right, you use that not only to live a great life, but to impart that knowledge and to own your chronedom or your wizard. And that's where the word wizard comes from. It was like a wise old man, oh. right, <laughs> in, in difference to the crone. So it's kind of a uh, same sort of energy. Wise one, wizened, wizard, you know, like that's mm. where that term comes from. So for those of you hitting 60, what do you have to share with the world? It's time, you know, and interestingly enough, I don't know if you just see recently, I don't usually buy into all of this, but I thought it was such a power move. Um, and it really spoke to the waning lunar that we had on Monday. Uh, and I think it was that same day or the day after this thing about Pamela Anderson going bare 
and makeup with her graying hair and it was like this whole thing that kicked off and I was like yeah it's about fucking time right that women can just be who they are whatever they and what age they are and be okay with that and not have people kind of like oh you're not this oh you're not that anyway I just thought it was a real power move it's a shame that it had to take a celebrity for it to be okay I saw that because the, when the moon is waning it's considering heading towards its crone phase right and so that really spoke to me about the symbolism Ooh. I thought it was really cool in terms of awareness I think this comes back to two things both sovereignty like you mentioned earlier awareness is definitely a part of that and the other part is intuition everything that happens to us is stored in our mind, in our body, in the fabric of who we are. Everything that happened to our parents, to our grandparents, to our ancestors is all stored in our DNA. And I love to say this because it's always rung true for me. Every person that we see in the world, no matter how evolved, spiritual, mundane, you know, boring, happy, whatever they are, is the pinnacle of every part of the lineage that came before them and in this lifetime it's yours to use or to call on your awareness can only really expand if you accept personal responsibility personal accountability and personal sovereignty for yourself and your intuition only really activates when you come into the understanding or awareness that there is more than just you, what you can see, touch, taste and spend in the world. That's when the intuitive faculty really starts to speak up, I think. Certainly on a more consciously directed level, everybody is prone to prophetic dreams or, you know, oh, I had this really weird feeling and then, I, you know, I was going to step out in the road and I didn't. And then when I pulled back, I didn't get run over. Or, yeah, you know, I, was, I couldn't help it. Like this morning, I just really didn't want to go to work. And then I find out that the bus that I take every day, you know, crashed and it was some horrendous whatever. Those random things of intuition, everybody has those. But to consciously utilize and call on your intuition, like any good tarot reader, astrologer, numerologist, uh, whatever your, you know, the medium you use or even medium, to consciously control that intuitive faculty to say, I want to see an answer to this and then predict time and time again events that happen, that comes down to your awareness. And the only way that you can really be truly aware is by accepting your responsibility, knowing that there's something bigger going on than us that we might never understand and you know, really owning your sovereignty being fully in command to say I get to choose here mm. it's interesting what you were saying about the shift in planets next year the me and the we because have you come across Dr Jill Bolt she's a neuroscientist and she had a stroke the left side of her brain completely shut down and what she said wow. was and it took her eight years to rebuild the synapses in, the, in her brain. What she said was, and I've used this in the part of my book to explain energy because it really, really excited me. She talks balls because my book is called Life's a Load of Balls. And those balls, it's not only the bollocks, the, the conditions that we're told that we need to be X, Y, or Z, but they're the balls of energy. 
And what she was saying, yeah. because there was nothing happening in the logical side of her brain, she only saw the creative. She felt that she was in one great big ball of energy. The me was inside the we. Isn't that delicious? Yeah. Wow. That's gorgeous. Isn't it just as well, right? And this is why if you're a left brain and you're all logic and all serious and all numbers and lines, do something creative. Just see what comes out of that version of you or that part of you and see how it makes all of your other functions and selves better. The reason I say this is because I'm a total righty. I am creative and emotional and flowy and, I, you know, I love all of the woo-woo. But my motto, you know, in the Radiant Nation, as I call it, is we love the woo-woo, but we keep our feet on the ground. Yeah. And it wasn't really until I took that concept to a practical level. So I had my business, I was doing what I loved, and that was all I was really concerned about. But when I started to really apply business ideas to really think, okay, how do I turn my spiritual love into a spiritual business things just exponentially exploded for me and that was because I bought the analytical lefty I bought it in to balance it out and we really need that you know and I think we can see that in a lot of the political correctness gone mad in the world at the moment let's call it what it is right Uh, balance is really needed and the way that we find balance which is actually a Libra trait is really by applying the opposite of what we have too much of. It's so nice to play in the realm that we know that we really understand most. But when you bring the other dimension to balance it out, that's where you really get traction. Mm. It's funny because my both my besties are real lefties and they keep me grounded. And equally, I help them play and be silly. I love that. And it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With the process that I've created, to me, it's a part of the sacral energy center, that playful center, um, which is the creativity. It's the giving birth to stuff. And as you say, the male and the female coming together, that is what makes us whole when you have both parts come together. And yes, you and I are more creative than left. But as you say, when you learn where to balance it, and if you can't do it yourself, to pull people in, that's important. Yeah, it really, really is. In the past, I had a lot of clients who were super religious. And the reason they felt sort of comfortable to approach me is because they know that I was I was brought up Catholic, right? Like right. It was really very Catholic and then Christian on the other side. So they know like, oh, okay, well, you know, Raf found a transition into spirituality. And I say to them, you know, how do you know that it's not whatever you perceive to be God's work, that your spirituality is opening up? And that I'm just a part of that path. And it really usually puts a lot of people at ease because they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we we, we don't all have horns. <laughs> you know, we're, 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 there's more to it. And, you know, this idea of me and we, when we start to understand not only who we are and what we actually want as a sovereign individual, and Aries is the sign of the self, So we're talking a lot about personal sovereignty over the next 18 months. What do I really want for myself out of my life? 
what do I feel is you know the thing that I want to go after what's really interesting as well is that this eclipse cycle precedes uh, Neptune moving into the sign of Aries and Saturn moving into the sign of Aries as well from 2025 to 2026. So this is starting now over the next 18 months that's going to take us just into where those two planets come into the sign of Aries and that's going to be a very big moment for our world. I truly believe that. One, because Neptune is the energy of dissolving. So it's dissolving this idea of just me. You know, or that's all that matters is me. What I want, what is important to me. We're dissolving that idea. We're spiritualizing that idea with Neptune as well and transcending the bonds of it. Whereas Saturn is the complete opposite and it's going to put a limitation on that sovereignty to say, are you more important than everybody else in the world? And what happens when you stop buying into that idea? So I'm really, really intrigued by what's going to happen through this eclipse cycle. And then Libra is concerned with what's fair, what's just, what does everybody get out of this? How do we balance out the equation, mm. right? And Aries is the natural first house ruler, the uh, natural, and Libra is the natural seventh house ruler contracts commitments where you uh, get into contract or even into bed with another person um you know not so much literally because that would be more the eighth house which is scorpio energy which we've already had we saw a lot of sex secrets come out right yeah. uh, of all kinds uh, whereas now this is going to be more about how we relate to each other how we speak to each other, the words that we use. And what's really intriguing to me, uh, we're just coming out of a very feminine energy. So uh, yeah. even though Scorpio is considered quite a, an intense energy, it's a water sign. So therefore it is a, a feminine energy. Taurus is earth. So that's also feminine. Whereas Aries and Libra, fire and air are both active and therefore masculine elements. So we're coming into the complete opposite energy mm. now, and it will be interesting to see how this shifts. But because the universe loves a loophole and it <laughs> loves to play around the way that it does, right? here's where this gets really interesting. Mars is the ruling planet of Aries. In ancient astrology, Mars also ruled Scorpio. So we're going straight into an energy that we already recognize, but from a different viewpoint. And then Taurus is ruled by Venus, but Libra is also ruled by Venus. So we're not leaving this whole idea of uh, Mars and Venusian energy, male and female, masculine and feminine. We're literally going straight into it, but from a very masculine perspective. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, what I pick up from that is because it has been very male dominant. And as you say, the female energy is coming. So our awareness about the need to rebalance things we've now coming around again there in the patterns the cycles with a male dominant energy and it's for us to recognize the strengths in those as opposed to taking us down the old path that was domineering and conditioning and see it for the beauty that it how it can contribute would that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I mean. We've come out of this very feminine, passive energy and we're going into something that's a lot more active, but from a very masculine perspective, certainly on the elemental stage, you know, because like I say, water and and, uh, earth are both feminine elements, whereas fire and air, which is Aries and Libra, are very masculine uh, and we've got this interplay of Martian and Venusian energies coming through. So it's it's going to be an interesting time for sure. I'm excited in one way because I have this feeling it's really going to balance a lot of the scales. And we've already got people doing the critical mass thing, asking big questions of themselves, which means they're going to start to demand more from their leaders you know, they're going to start to demand more from the people that are in charge. It's not going to cut it anymore that there is such a big divide between who has and who has not. It's not going to, you know, cut it that we've got such massive things that are in control of everything. We're going to start to say, well, you know what, that one big government for the whole country probably doesn't work for us anymore. So we're going to have to start chunking it down. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It goes back to what you were saying about accountability and responsibility, doesn't it? Ultimately. Yes, yeah. absolutely. When you talk about sovereignty, that idea of choice that you talked about earlier is so important. You have a choice. You always have a choice. And what you choose for yourself, for your family, for the people that you love, for your interaction with the world nobody should be able to override that especially not if it's not hurting anybody or actively stealing or taking from another person right that's the thing as well I remember hearing this once where they said that you know most people are pretty self-governing they know not to kill people they know not to you know do you know what I mean like they don't actively seek to do harm or whatever and they will, will always try to leave something left over and one phenomena So I took an abundance course last year. And in that course, one of the exercises that the the woman that was leading it gave us um, was she said, right, imagine you have infinite money. And the thing that I noticed about this and about everybody in the group was once they were sorted and they fixed, you know, I'm looking after my family, my health is good. Once they fixed all of the core stuff for themselves, Everything she said, name 50 things that you would do if you had unlimited resources. Once everyone got past the first sort of five to ten, yeah, the other 40 were all about other people, they were all about building community, uh, making shelters, creating orphanages, creating educational programs. And this is my whole point, right? I, that shift that we're talking about, that paradigm shift, is so needed because when left to it and they have adequate resources, nine out of 10 people will always look around them and say, how can I help somebody else? And when we don't have these, you know, how am I going to pay for this? And when you wipe that out, everybody starts to look at, you know what, how can I help Gladys up the road? Those, you know, that woman with the three kids and whose husband has just left her or passed away, you know, we've got extra food. Let's give them some. I think most people are inherently good. I really genuinely believe that. I do and that too. exercise, as you were yeah, saying, demonstrated self- it to me more than ever. It's a self-governance thing. And we've got an election coming up on the 14th of October here in New Zealand. And 
I'm going to stick my neck out. I don't believe we need governments to tell us what to, to do. Not anymore. Um, there are people in circumstances that do things, but more often than not, it's because they are reacting to the fact that they haven't got those 10 basics that you were talking about. And once they've got them, we are all there to help one another. And communities, I mean, you look at the natural disasters that happen around the world, how everybody comes yeah. together and offers everything. And I firmly believe that we don't need governments to tell us what to do. We are one great big family and it would have a ripple effect if we started on the local level within our homes is going to ripple out to our local community, the national community and globally. So I just say fuck off to all the governments because they've kept us well, the <laughs> kept us in the short and curlies all this time telling us what to do while they're reaping the benefits of it. Absolutely. No, I 100% back you. I, you know, and that's a really beautiful way to, to put it. I, and I agree so much because it's true. Like, And you see this. I, one of the other things that I saw this on was the London riots uh, years ago. I think it was around 2011, 2012. We had London riots and it was quite serious. You know, whole communities were burnt down and it was really crazy. And you know what? It wasn't the government that stepped in like when they did eventually because everyone was like dude how can you sit back and do fuck all about this yeah, yeah. they eventually stepped in but it was the people from those communities that came together to really support one another and say how do we as a community rebuild our town hall uh, you know the local community center for the kids it was a community effort I don't remember like and the people that did turn up uh, you know, politicians and stuff. It was always with a whole bunch of cameras and, oh, you know, look, yes, we're coming to do this, that and the other. They weren't there on the ground with their sleeves up and, you know, checking that they were all right. And a perfect example of this, you can see the ones that care because they do it very, very quietly. Yep. So I don't know if you remember the Grenfell Tower that burnt. Yes. And a yep. lot of people died in that. It was really very sad. Adele grew up around that whole area yes. Yes. she showed up no makeup she was there because she was genuinely moved by the whole thing and you know wanted to help and I think that shows you know when it's performative there'll be cameras and fanfare and makeup and nice outfits when you genuinely care you turn up in your pjs and your you know your hoodie to say look yeah. I ain't got much but what can I do yeah absolutely well, we could talk for hours, but that seems to be a very good way of asking you, is there a book and or a person that has influenced you in your life? Oh, gosh, so, so many. The most recent one that I could speak of, and I haven't read a lot of it, if I'm completely honest, is The Source by Dr. Swart. I only discovered her two weeks ago on uh, Diary of a CEO. Stephen Bartlett okay. he's got a YouTube channel and she absolutely blew me away and I finished watching that podcast I immediately bought her book you know like every so often you find someone and you're like yeah I like you yeah <laughs> uh, so Dr Tara Swart and her book is called The Source and she is a neuroscientist who really is into neuroplasticity 
uh, and she talks a lot about how art and creativity are important. She also has a podcast. Reach out to her and tell her <laughs> that Raph sent you. <laughs> Is there a quote or something that you fall back on to keep you inspired? Oh, um, there is something that I read just recently because it's been a little bit of an intense time for Rafi, <laughs> just to put that out there. Um, but uh, one thing that I did read by uh, Susan Chang, she's a very famous tarot reader, about a card that kept showing up for me, which was the Nine of Wands. And the quote that she used was, one brave thing. And the way that I changed that for myself was just one more brave thing. Wow. So it's like all those moments where I'm like, I can't, I'm going to give up, I want to run away. You know, not that I have them very often, but like in those moments, that's what I say to myself, just one more brave thing. And that's like, whatever this thing is that I'm like, oh, now I've got to deal with this. Just one more brave thing. Well, that leads beautifully into my next question is, what do you do when you're in a funk? <laughs> oh, so always usually the same things. I always encourage my clients as well, get out into the natural world. But recently, breathing. Yes. Like just to really take a moment to take a damn breath. Because I notice this for myself, like when things get really intense, I stop breathing. You know, and yeah, now more than ever, it's like, okay, take a breath, come back into your body. What's the crack? <laughs> you know, like, and that is really, really helping me. Well, I did um, a 65 day challenge. I put out two minute videos over 65 days and uh, I did it four years ago, but I thought I'd do it again. And the number one thing I yeah. always start off with is conscious breathing. Now, we started off talking about conscious evolution, and it's really because we have a tendency to breathe shallowly. I mean, if you go exercising and you keep doing, it's amazing how you hold your breath when you're trying to do something. And it's like, hello, keep breathing. My daughter, now she's got a three and a five-year-old. And when the kids get all highly strung or they're having a tanty or whatever it happens to breathe, she'd just say, and breathe. And it's so cute and so delicious seeing them at that age, particularly the three-year-old, and going, and it makes such That's a phenomenal. It is amazing. Yeah, right? I mean, you see that? That's conscious parenting to start yeah. with. And what it means is when they get to, you know, even just teenagehood, let alone adulthood, they're going to have that space and that tool already instilled in themselves to say, OK, this is really intense right now. And before I react, let me just take a breath. Right. That's oh, gosh, what lucky children they are. I know. And you know, the thing is, the other a big part of the conscious breathing is if we learn to do it two, three times a day, what happens is just like with the um, neuroplasticity where we rewiring the brain, as soon as you take a deep breath, your body automatically mm -hmm. goes into rest and relax mode. And it's, if you're doing the deep one, then it stops the adrenal glands working and you don't get stressed out. So you don't have to wait till that stressy moment. Your body already knows that when you're taking a deep breath, it keeps you in that beautiful state of being. 
Yeah, absolutely. And also it's because your your deep breathing activates your lymphatic system, mm. which also has huge benefits on your immune system. And it's true, like when you're constantly breathing like really shallow or your shoulders are up here and stuff. I recently went back to Tai Chi and I've been going now for a little while. And, you know, one of the first things that he said to, to me as part of this was you need to remember how to breathe like a baby. You know, like start really using your whole body to breathe. And I was mm. like, OK, yeah. And, you know, it's just oh, I'm loving it. I'm really, really enjoying it. I've been sick, so I haven't been able to go for a week, but I will definitely be going back next week. And I, the beauty uh, of <laughs> Tai Chi is it's slow conscious movements as well. Yeah, yeah delicious. absolutely. And I find because of the the knowledge that I've got of energy work, I'm really like super in it, like just really very, very in it. Like by the time I finish, I'm like, okay, like I'm back in the room now. <laughs> Before that, I was out swimming in the stars somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure they think I'm spaced out, but you know what? I don't care. I love it. It's brilliant. That was the me in the way, the raff in the in the in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, to round it off, I'm your fairy godmother. And if I could grant you one wish in the world, what would you like to change and why? Oh, okay. What would I like to change? I would like more freedom for people to choose their life path. And I guess to finish off with that, what I mean by that is when people decide what their purpose is, it would be nice to see that they had the resources, whether that's money, whether it's education, whether it's just support, that they had the resources available to them in order to enact that purpose. Because if everybody's living out what they think their purpose is in the world, the world is so much better. Absolutely. And it's recognising the value in, in every choice, isn't it? Yes. Oh, that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely beautiful beautiful great well what a way to finish thank you so much for your time ref um we could raff on <laughs> riff on for ages but <laughs> it's now nearly midnight here in new zealand so i need to go and get the beauty sleep thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me anytime um i look forward to the next next one and uh, keep yourself good everybody out there thank you so much for listening and uh, check me out on radiant reality i'll put all the links in the show notes thanks raf you take care thank you Bye. lovely you too remember there's value in every choice you make and to do one more brave thing make space to define who you are what matters to you and act in a way that mirrors how you want the world to be Self-governance, as opposed to being governed by others, has the power to create peace, love and unity. It instills courage to take a stand and stay on your chosen path, to live life on your own terms. As the author William Faulkner said, don't be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this, it would change the earth. So, be true to yourself and reclaim your sovereignty. I'd like to leave you now with the four-phase process I've created to help you align the spiritual, emotional, mental and physical parts of your whole self. It's called Connect, Pause, Engage, Respond. 
Connect to the spiritual aspect of yourself by doing what inspires you, the true nature of who you are. Pause, take that breath and develop awareness and understanding of what your emotions are telling you. Engage your brain to consciously attend to what matters to you and respond with actions that harmonise your soul, heart, mind and body. Your feedback and reviews are much appreciated, as are your suggestions for subjects or guests you'd like me to consider. Just email me on info at And make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. So my lovelies, until next month, be the living example of what you want to see in the world. Have fun, dig deep and open your mind to a world of possibilities. Live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.